Good morning, everybody, and Happy New Year. I am uh, very happy to see you here on the Lord's Day. Uh, I do want to say that, obviously, I'm not Pastor Harrison, unless he went away to a tropical place, got a dope tan, and came back about six inches shorter. <laughs> but that's not the case. Um, uh, we've got a misprint there. Uh, I do want to um, really encourage you to come out during discipleship hour. Uh, you know, we had a great spirited conversation today and a teaching that Eric, our brother Eric took us through in Ecclesiastes that, you know, will actually touch on my message today. But, um, you know, I expect to see more of you there because it is a great uh, edifying time uh, when it comes to simply learning the scriptures understanding what others might believe and how that might help you as well as you consider different uh, perspectives. But uh, praise God, we had a great discipleship hour. And so again, I encourage you to make it a regular effort to come out at 945 to engage in that. Our scripture reading is found in Colossians chapter 3. We'll be looking at just the first four verses here as I read the Apostle Paul's to letter to the Colossians, uh, it says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. I don't know if you remember the day when you came to the foot of the cross and you were saved by the Spirit of God, but I remember distinctly feeling, just as Bunyan described in his beautiful allegorical book called Pilgrim's Progress, that experience that Christian had as he was gripped with an incredible emotion as his burden finally tumbled off his back. That burden was the illustration of his guilt and shame of sin that he always carried around. And it's just, just such an amazing illustration. Bunyan's burden that he carried represented, again, the guilt, the shame, and doubt of sin. And when it fell off, it says that it fell and rolled down into a sepulcher never to be seen again. When Christian came to the cross, he then understood the meaning of Christ's substitutionary death on the cross and the imputed righteousness and that those were the basis of his assurance that his sin had been forgiven. From then on, Christian knew he was to live a different life, different from the world. He was a new man living a new life. And although it was by no means going to be easy, as the world would try to ensnare him and make attempts to lead him down to the path of destruction, that would not be so. Because his new life was properly focused on Christ and the things above that would carry him on to the correct path for the rest of his new life. 
Let me remind you that Christian left the city of destruction and he was on his way to the celestial city. The city of destruction was indicative of his old life while the city, the celestial city, would be indicative of his new life to be forever enjoyed in the presence of God. Today, I want you to look back at that experience, your own personal experience at the foot of the cross, so that you can remember the joy that you felt when your burden fell off your back and rolled off never, never to be seen again because you were assured that you have been saved. Now, this is important because, again, it will sustain you for the rest of your life. The end and the beginning of the new year is also a great mile marker for this endeavor. Think about how have you done this year? What are you hoping for the new year? Do you still have that same excitement at the beginning that you had when you were first saved? Is it progressing any further? Do you feel even more assured of your salvation and the things to come? Are you asking God, please come quickly? Or are you being distracted by the things of this world? Have you lost focus because the world is showing you some glittery stuff? Are you being taken off track? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us an outline here for living our new life to the, fu to the fullest with four simple steps. Right? Turn back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Look at verse 1. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The first thing that we're told within this verse is that we're to set our minds on the things above, which is another way of saying prioritizing spiritual matters over worldly concerns. The Apostle Paul's first direction to us is to set our minds on the things above. Again, this is to say that all concerns, all spiritual concerns, top all worldly concerns. It's not politics. It's not government. It's not culture. It's not technology or the media. Those are all of lower concerns. Our concerns are for the things above. And think of that phrase, the things above. It's a phrase, phrase which means it communicates the importance of concentrating on that which rises above all else. And what could rise above all else but the concerns of God? Let's consider what Paul tells us of our position now that we're in Christ. Take a look at Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why should we 
be so absorbed with the things that are going on down here when they pale in comparison with what Christ has done for us. This is the textbook definition here of being eternally secured. God raised us alive together with Christ. And then he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus. This is amazing. Paul began his letter to the Colossians with the gospel of our salvation. If you read a few chapters before. And chapter 3 is simply the bridge to that part. Because of what Christ has done on our behalf through his sacrifice on the cross, we're supposed to seek the things above where he is. Down here, there's nothing for us. I'm sorry to tell you that. I don't want this to be a, a downer of a message, but I think that's beautiful to understand. There's nothing for us down here. This is why we're to concentrate on the things above. Jesus said as much. If you remember when he told his audience not to store their treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. And he concludes with where your heart is, is also your treasure. The treasures of your heart should be Christ. And where Christ is, is above. And where he is, is above. And above, he is in heaven. So let's make sure we don't lose sight of this truth. You know, Christ's mission, above all else, was to carry out the will of the Father. Paul is exactly telling us to do the same, following Christ's example by prioritizing the will of God. How do we do that? What are the spiritual matters we're to be concerned about? Well, in our new life, we prioritize communication of the gospel the same gospel that saved us. We prioritize the expansion of the kingdom of God. We gather on Lord's Day to worship and praise God. We share our gifts. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. We grow together. We rejoice together. We even weep together and much, much more. Now notice back uh, in Colossians 3, Notice that the verse, that verse one concludes with Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. It's just another way, as we've learned multiple times, of saying that Christ has been given all authority. Christ is our king, our authority. We submit to him as the authority over our lives by seeking to please him just as he did in doing the will of the Father. This is our golden life. It should be to please God above all else. And that, of course, requires a completely different lifestyle that only a transformed, saved believer can experience and can perform. When we became believers, we were transformed from the kingdom of darkness. I should say transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. As citizens, you remember the kingdom of darkness, we walked according to our own desires. We didn't care about God's will. We didn't care about pleasing him. We certainly didn't have our eyes set on the things above. 
We walked according to the desires and passions of our flesh and of the world and of Satan. We had no ability to please God. Everything we did, as James says, without faith, without faith, everything that's done is in sin. But now, brothers and sisters, being liberated into the kingdom of light, having died and being raised with Christ, we follow in his footsteps obediently and sacrificially living to please God the Father. But there's something else that Paul writes in his letter to the believers in Corinth as he tells them, discouraging them against carrying out lawsuits against one another. He says that being seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father also will give us authority. Now, what authority? Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, listen to this is what he says. He says of this authority, does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to, con are you not competent to con constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? And so we see this, we see this authority that we have with Christ. Authority, Christ is our authority, but we also have been given authority because where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. And this translates to the Corinthians. It seems that they didn't know that they were to function on a higher level as believers. And suing each other and doing to the low and, and, and going to the lower courts of the world was not the thing to do as a believer whose mind was set on the thing above. Paul indicates that we have a higher purpose purpose which will include judging the world and angels. Before you ask, I'm not too sure what that means when Paul says that, right? But I do know it's a position of authority that we have. What an amazing statement here. What will that look like? I don't know. But if it's what we've got. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> now, I'm not saying at all that we're to abandon the world or we become hermits and live in caves, not interacting with it. Obviously, it's because we live in the world. We work in it to sustain ourselves. But our love and priority is always supposed to be on the things above and that means we are always about pleasing God. Now, this leads us to Paul's second step that Paul wants us to commit to. In verse 2, he instructs us to deliberately and consciously choose the things above from the things of this world. Look at verse 2. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on 
I remember several years ago, someone accused me, let me know if you've ever heard of this phrase, of being too heavenly minded and of no earthly good. I was scolded because of my theology or my passion for theology and my evangelistic zeal. Somehow it led this person to believe that the way that I was doing my evangelism, convicting people of sin and righteousness was incorrect. I rather should have just loved them. To which I replied to him, what better way is there to love a person but by sharing the only message of truth that leads to eternal life? That's the gospel. Heavenly minded and of no earthly good. If anybody should tell you that, send them to Colossians 3. Aren't we told completely the opposite here? I mean, it amazes me the stuff that people come up with. It's the gospel. It's not in the stock tips and health advice, but the message of the gospel that sets the, the mind on the things above instead of the temporary things on earth. And that's the contrast that's being made here. John reminds us of this. In 1 John uh, chapter 2, he says, do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away. And also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. You see, again, the one whose mind is set on the thing above is concerned about eternal things and the eternal righteousness of God. The one whose mind is set on the world is only concerned with its lusts and its temporary pleasures. They'll be consumed with the old heaven and the old earth never to enjoy God's eternal blessing. This also means that we're to embrace a renewed life in Christ. This is done by shedding the old self and embracing the new created uh, uh, self in his image. If you jump down a couple of verses back in our text in Colossians to Colossians 3 verse 5, we see that we're supposed to be dead to all types of sins. Verse 5 said, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurities, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amount to idolatry. See, the results of this leads to a conduct devoid of immorality, evil desires, greed, anger, abusive speech, and lies, just to name a few. John is warning us against the preoccupation with the things of this world, which is sinful and temporary, unlike the nature of the kingdom of God. The things above are eternal. But also let's consider Christian in Pilgrim's progress. He was ultimately, again, abandoning the city of destruction to find the celestial city of God. Don't forget we're two on the same pilgrimage. 
to find the celestial city. The writer of Hebrew pens it like this. After telling us about all the heroes of faith who died, it says in Hebrews 11, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having been welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to think I'm un-American at all. But according to scripture, America is not the country that Christian of Pilgrim's Progress was looking for. And I hope it's not the country you're looking for either. This is not it. It's not our country. Because it's not a heavenly country, nor has it been prepared by God. To believe America or any other government that's on the face of the earth is, is to set your heart on a nation right here below what is above. And it's to lose sight of the things about, above where our Savior is. He has given us his life, and now we have a new life in him, a new life in service of him and him alone. And that requires an allegiance to God first. I would say God alone. I say this because I've seen too many so-called believers fight harder for their nation rather than for the city of God, the very city they claim to be citizens of. All right? Who said that? Amen. <laughs> Which leads us to our, uh, our next step that Paul has for us. Look at verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here Paul is basically telling us that we're supposed to find our identity in Christ. And recognizing that our life is secured with him. For you have died. Now, death is not something that we usually associate with a makeover. But in this case, every believer, by definition, has experienced death. Death to sin. Paul in Romans 6.2 rhetorically asks, How shall we who died to sin still live in it? He was making the point that it's impossible to be dead to sin, yet to still be entangled in it in such a way that denies the regenerating work of the Spirit of God in us, right? We're supposed to be walking in the newness of life. We have a new life that we live in. Putting it plainly, our identity is found in Christ alone. And it shouldn't be in the most recent trend where people are now freely identifying themselves either by their political ideology, their sexual identity, and even their sins. No, not at all. 
Colossians 3, 5 says, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and greed, again, which amounts to idolatry. Ephesians 4, verse 24 says, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You see, understanding our new life is followed by actions and behaviors that are indicative of a person who has set their minds on the things above. Continuing with verse uh, 3 of Colossians, we see, and it says, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Our lives are also hidden with Christ, which is another way of saying it's secured in Christ. We have no fear of separation from Christ because as the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 8, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. The Christian faith is the only faith that affords its believers the assurance of salvation because it's based solely on the work of Jesus in his, in his incarnation, his death, and his resurrection. It's the basis of our new life that we need to keep in the proper perspective on every single day and every passing new year. Without it, we will veer off and drift off the path set about for us. Finally, Paul gives us one more step to faithfully living the new life. Look at verse 4 of our reading today. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Paul wants us to anticipate the glorious future promise in Christ's return. Letting this hope shape our present actions and attitudes. I have this recurring thought that comes over me every New Year's uh, or New Year's Eve. Just before the ball drops to its lowest point, Christ appears. Christ and his angels come about. To most people, this will be the, the worst day in their lives. Their time will be up. Their days of lawlessness and living to satisfy their sins will have come to an end. For them, you better believe it, their best life that they're having is right now. John writes in Revelation that, but for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the immoral person and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, uh, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But for us, those of us who are in Christ, our best lives will have just begun. It will begin with the new heaven and the new earth constructed for its holy inhabitants, whose very existence will bring glory to God. 
Those of us whose life are secured by God, we will enjoy him forever and will receive glory for securing us. I'm sorry, let me reread that. We will enjoy him forever and he will receive glory for securing us and comforting us forever. Revelations 21 tells us he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain for the first things have passed away. I believe if we conform to these steps that the apostle lays out, our lives will be that much more focused on the things above. And with every passing new day, new year, new decade, we'll become more heavenly minded. We'll concentrate more on the assurance that God has given us of our salvation. And we'll continue to grow in maturity and be able to convey that to others so that they might too also share in the same assurance that we have. But again, this can only be done if we are heavenly minded. Amen? Father, I want to thank you for your time in the word. I pray that as we continue to seek those things that are above, that in it that you will be glorified because we abandon the world and leave it behind us knowing that it has nothing for us. It is as the days of Noah where Noah and only his family who sought you out they were saved, but the rest of the world, they were washed away. Father, may we reach as many people as we can so that they too may be heavenly minded, considering that those are the things of eternity that we all long for and will be fulfilled in. Father, as we go about our way and enjoy the, 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 the coming of this new year, unless you show up before then, Father, may we gather with friends and family and let them know as well of all the love uh, that you have lavished upon us that allows us to be faithful citizens of your kingdom after you have transformed our hearts, given us a new spirit, that allows us now to follow your commandments and your precepts. Father, we look to put on this new self and go around telling everybody as your ambassadors of your great, of your great gospel message that saves even the most lowliest and poorest person. We thank you, Father, and we pray that you will continually be glorified in everything that we say and we do to the honor of Jesus Christ who has saved us. Amen.